The Lord is good and His mercy endures to all generations. It's our family Sunday, and so we like to bring the children into the adult service. We do this every fifth Sunday, so that's about four times a year. And I don't know about you, but it's always great to see the, the, the children here with us in the adult service while they're watching their parents or just uh, participating, sensing the presence of the Lord, answering challenging questions, and uh, all that great stuff. Anyway, the Lord is good to all of us. Uh, uh, we've been meeting at uh, a little after 8 o'clock, 8.10 to 8.30 for prayer on Sundays, and uh, we're going to be doing that again this coming Sunday, and so I'd like to invite all of you out if you'd like to come out and pray, and uh, like I said, it starts at 8.10, goes to about 8.30, and we're just calling on the name of the Lord. One of the things I like to do, the Bible tells us to do this, is to pray for all those in authority, and I was reading, uh, I really like uh, the Graham family, uh, of course, Billy Graham. Franklin Graham, Anne Graham Lotz, and Anne Graham Lotz has a prayer ministry, and she penned a prayer that uh, she prayed the, the day of the inauguration for our new president, uh, uh, Joe Biden, and I thought it'd be great if, I've, if we could pray this prayer together. We're going to put it on the screen, and uh, let's just pray this together, all right? If we could put that prayer on the screen. There you go. And uh, you don't have to pray it out loud unless you want to. And uh, pray it along with me in your heart if you'd like to do that. She starts out, she says, Our Father, you are seated on heaven's throne in glory, majesty, and supreme authority. You are in charge. You don't make mistakes. You have promised that you will be with us even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You use hard times to get us to look up. So we look up now. We turn to you. Thank you for your promise that when we come to you through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, you will hear our prayer because we are your children. We reverence your name, Yahweh, Yeshua, Jesus. You have declared that at the sound of your name one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. You revealed that your name is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. You have been our help in ages past, and, our, and you are our hope for years to come. You are the God of our founding fathers. You are our God in whom we as a nation have put our trust. We pray that you would exercise your authority, fulfilling your purpose on this earth, in this nation, so that your will is carried out here as it is in heaven, because we know your will is good, perfect, and pleasing to those who live according to it. Your will works. All that is said and done outside of your will is like the chaff that the wind blows away. Now, with so many of us in dire financial need, with businesses shuttered and income shrinking, please provide for us. Give us what we need each day, food, clothing, rent, house payments, and other necessities. Protect us from this deadly pestilence. Restore health to those who are sick. Many of us feel deeply hurt by others. In response... We choose to forgive those who have attacked us, slandered us, divided us, betrayed us, belittled us, wounded us, and deceived us. We know that if we don't forgive those who have sinned against us, you will not forgive us our sin against you. So, we forgive one another. Now, as we do, heal our hearts. We pray that you would deliver us from any evil agendas and powers, either foreign or domestic, visible or invisible, that we would seek to take advantage of us at this vulnerable moment. Protect us, guard us, defend us. Keep us from giving in to temptation to believe the end justifies the means. 
to plot a course for this nation that is in opposition to you, to wound those who have wounded us, to seek revenge and retribution. We need you now more than ever. Today we acknowledge that yours is the glory and the power. You had the final word. You keep the books. You're both the judge of the living and the dead. One day each of us will stand before you and be held accountable for the way we have lived, what we have said, and what we have done. Help us to live every day in the light of who you are with that day on our minds. In the name of the one who taught us to pray, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I thought that was a great prayer. And it's a great prayer that we pray today for us and for our nation. And may God bless America. All right, I want to continue my study out of personal revival, and my, my title is Fresh Encounters. Fresh Encounters. I, I believe we need to have a personal encounter with the Lord and continuing fresh encounters with the Lord for there to be personal revival in our lives. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9, Peter, James, and John, they consisted of what we call the inner circle. They were the closest to Jesus, and because of that, they were given opportunities uh, that the others were not given, the other nine were not given. God uh, revealed himself to them in a wonderful way by transfiguring Jesus before them. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And I'm going to read Matthew 17, 1 to 9, and uh, may the Lord speak to our hearts today. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Tell you what, when you're having a wonderful experience with the Lord, and I'll tell you what, the last thing you want to do is just leave that and uh, go out into the world again. You just want to capture that, right? And I think that's really what Peter wanted to do. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And we'll start, stop right there. As I mentioned, uh, Peter, James, and John were taken by Jesus up to this high mountain. We're not sure exactly which mountain that was, but there is a mountain north, uh, Mount Hermon, north of, uh, in the northern part of uh, Israel. And uh, that probably was the high mountain that they're referring to. And they had a personal encounter with the Lord. And this gave them a new revelation of Jesus. And it prioritized what was most important or should be most important in their life. They were to hear him, ears, and to see only Jesus. The ear gate and the eye gate are so important for us. But it prioritized, right? The, uh, you know, not Moses, not Elijah, not the law, not the prophets, but Jesus Christ and it equipped them for days to come because the Lord then took them down off the valley, down off the mountain into the valley. And they, of course, had demonic uh, encounters with those that were demon-possessed. And they began to preach the gospel. And, and uh, you know, you have to many times leave your 
place of prayer or encounter with the Lord and to go out into the world, right, and administer the gospel. And this personal encounter equipped them to do just that. What does that mean for us? Well, we need personal ongoing encounters with Jesus to maintain and to move us forward in our relationship with the Lord and to maintain and to move us forward in our first love for Jesus. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you experienced the Lord in a fresh new way? I think it's interesting that the Lord spoke to me back in the month of May. I I checked my notes back in the month of May as I was coming up out of a deep sleep. And I was was just coming out of this deep sleep. And I heard the Lord quote Joel chapter 2 to my heart. And I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I mean, it was one of the loudest voices I've ever heard the Lord speak to my spirit. And I am looking for God to do that in greater and greater measures in my personal life and also in your life as well. I believe 2021 can be a year of personal revival for me and also a personal revival for you. I mean, 2020, uh, you know, that's a year of survival, but 2021, oh Lord, may it be the outpouring of your Holy Spirit that leads to fresh encounters with you so that we might see you in a brand new way so that we might be empowered and equipped to go forth and to see people set free. The scriptures are full of personal encounters. Moses and the burning bush. Joshua saw the captain of the Lord's host. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. The disciples saw Jesus transfigured right before them. And I believe that God can reveal to us himself in fresh and new ways. And it might not be dramatic like Matthew chapter 17. I've never seen the Lord visibly with my eyes and or have him appear before me. And I know he does those things, but he's never blessed me with that. But I do know the Lord can encounter us. He can encounter us today in this service. As we're worshiping him or as you're, as you're hearing the preaching of the word, all of a sudden you feel God is speaking to you or making himself real or manifesting himself to you in a fresh new way. I know God speaks to me from the word. God speaks to me in times of prayer. How would I describe God uh, encountering me in a fresh new way uh, since the start of 2021? Well, I, I look at it this way. You know, on the day of Pentecost, there was a mighty wind that blew, the sound of a rushing mighty wind and then cloven tugs of fire. I just sense a gentle, fresh wind of the Spirit in my heart. Uh, a, a stirring. Uh, this morning at the prayer meeting, I just read quickly John chapter 5 when the, the, the lame people we're at the pool of Bethesda, and they're waiting for the stirring of the water. And as that water was stirred, it brought healing to those that would enter into that. And that's the way the Lord does it many times. Maybe it's not a dramatic thing like Matthew chapter 17 or like Moses in the burning bush, but it could be like a, a, a gentle wind blowing upon you and or the, like a stirring of the water, a stirring in your soul, a stirring of the Holy Spirit within you or the sense of, a, you know, I sense a, a new season. That, that God is turning the page. Uh, there's, a, there's this new season. Uh, these things that I was going through, that's, that's fading off in the distance. And God is opening up this new season. It's going to be a season of refreshing, a season of revelation, a season of fresh wind, fresh fire, uh, of restoring my first love. You guys with me on this? 
like a fresh wind blowing upon me or you. This is how I believe God is moving upon me in 2021. God loves to stir the waters, bring a new season, ascend a fresh wind. Well, looking at Matthew chapter 17, what happens when you see Jesus? Well, I see four things right here. You see Jesus in a new way. You end up sanctifying the Lord in your heart. You become touched by the Lord, and then you are empowered for ministry. Let's take a look at these four things this morning. You see Jesus in a new way. They did. They'd never seen Jesus transfigured, glorified, transfigured, exalted. It's amazing, wasn't it? They saw him as a man. And, of course, doing the works of God. But right now they saw him shining forth in a way that they'd never seen him. The word transfigured literally means a complete change in appearance into a more beautiful state. A complete change in in appearance into a more beautiful state. So they saw Jesus' appearance change, and they saw him in a more beautiful way. They saw him in a more beautiful way. I tell you what, I want to see Jesus in a more beautiful way. You might be saying, well, don't you think he's beautiful? Yes, I think he's beautiful. The Lord is lovely. He's wonderful. He's beautiful. I worship him. I love the Lord Jesus. But I do know this, that we see through a glass darkly. And I don't know about you, but I'd love God to give me a fresh revelation, a new encounter to where I see the Lord in a fresh new way, in a more beautiful way. I I want to fall in love with Jesus even more. The purpose of the transfiguration of Christ in this passage of scriptures was to give his disciples a greater understanding of who he was. He just wasn't a man. He was a son of God in power. And they saw that. Also, to fortify their faith for the days of darkness after his crucifixion. If you notice, he tells them in verse Nine. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So he, he goes into the future, says, There's coming a time when I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to die. Those are going to be very dark times. And at that time, during those dark times, I want you to tell the rest of the disciples what you saw today. That I'm not a man or just a man. But I was a son of God, glorified, exalted. And so this was done for a future purpose as well. And, you know, a lot of times, sometimes what we go through is for something future. And we don't understand it. You know, why was 2020 so challenging and difficult? Well, I tell you what, we might have some idea, but in the future, we're going to know even more. And so God was gracious to Peter, James, and John, and uh, he just did something wonderful here. And I want you to know that God wants to give us fresh encounters so that we might see Jesus in a new way, perhaps, as God works his personal revival in us, we'll see a greater power, or we'll become, become more aware of his great grace, or the sense of his purpose for our lives. Or a greater sense of his forgiveness. Or through this we might sense a greater need for more of him. And as we seek him we find him. If Jesus has been reduced to a statement of faith. 
or a distant salvation prayer or a stale testimony, then you need a fresh encounter. I'm going to read that again. If Jesus has been reduced to a simple statement of faith, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven, and, you know, and you just say that by, you know, that's your statement of faith. And, uh, but there's, there's a lack of reality on the inside or a lack of real love on the inside of you. You need a fresh encounter with the Lord. If all Jesus is is a distant salvation prayer, you know, when I was eight years old, I prayed that prayer, and I got baptized, you know, when I got in the sixth grade, and, uh, but, uh, but that's it, that's it, that, that's all I got, right? Uh, that's my testimony, it's, it's so stale. I, I believe if you're walking with the Lord, there should be new things, fresh things that God is doing. And if you can't think of a fresh work, a new revelation, a stirring of new love for Jesus, I tell you what, you need a personal encounter with the Lord. You need your love to be restored. You need personal revival, personal revival. Job experienced this in great trial. He is the example of suffering before, of course, the Lord sent his son Jesus, who is the greatest example, who suffered and died. But the Old Testament uh, model or example of suffering and holding fast your faith in times of suffering and not really knowing what's going on is Job. And at the end of that experience, he says this, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. I've heard of you, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, he's talking, not talking about his physical eyes. The Lord did not physically appear to Job, but he's talking about his spiritual eyes. Job had his eyes opened and saw God in a greater way, and it changed him. He repented. And you know that you're experiencing personal revival when you start repenting. What do you mean repenting? That's what you do when you first get saved. Hey, I believe that repentance for Christians needs to be a lifestyle. Needs to be a lifestyle. That we need to have that humility in our heart where we're always asking God to stir our hearts and to forgive us and to help us. In Luke chapter 5, Simon Peter saw the Lord do a miraculous miracle. The Bible says he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. But the Bible says when Peter saw it, he saw the Lord in a fresh new way, and it changed his life. Moses would enter into the Mount Sinai, and there he'd have this wonderful experience with the Lord. And the Bible says when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Now that's change. That's transformation. His face became radiant because he was speaking to God. Well, what's speaking to God? Well, that's prayer. He was in the presence of God, experiencing God, and he was being transformed by that experience. Oh, may we be transformed, changed, renewed, restored, revived in 2021. I love Acts chapter 18. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in the city. 
Now, in response to seeing the Lord and hearing his voice, the Bible says the Apostle Paul continued there for a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. See, he was empowered for service. Moses was transfigured or changed, transformed. His face is shining. Job is repenting. Peter is repenting. I'm telling you, when you encounter the Lord, there needs to be a change, some type of change. However, that's manifested through you. And maybe your testimony is the Lord is just reviving me and and I'm, I'm getting the junk out of my trunk and I'm repenting of this sin and I'm carrying out the garbage in my life and it feels so good to be turning away from sin and I have new levels of obedience before the Lord and he's setting me free from that power, that habit that I, that I need to be set free from from. If if that's your testimony, I applaud you. Or maybe your testimony is, man, I'm going deeper in prayer and I'm finding Jesus there. And I feel like in that time of prayer, my life is being transformed. I'm filled with more love and patience and grace. If that's your testimony, praise God. If you're saying my testimony is I'm falling in love with Jesus and I'm seeing him just in a more beautiful way. If that's your testimony, praise God. But What I want is for each of you to have a testimony that God's doing a new work in you in 2021. Somebody say amen to that. In each encounter, the person was changed, empowered, and humbled. Yes, encounters with the Lord should not lift us us up with pride, but rather humble us in his presence. Hmm. That's awesome. So you see Jesus in a brand new way. You sanctify the Lord God in your heart. The Bible says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. Verse 8. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Hear him, Jesus only. When I say sanctify the Lord in your heart, that means you're setting him apart. First place, position of honor. The Bible tells us to sanctify the Lord God in our heart, to make him Lord, to put him first, to give him that seat of honor. In other words, he's the most important thing in your life. And these disciples, Peter, James, and John, perhaps they were thinking that Jesus was equal to Elijah and equal to Moses. And, you know, we need to build a tabernacle and and honor all three of them right here. Well, two of them were just men. And one of them was the son of man, but he is also the son of God. And Jesus will not be equal to anybody in your life. He wants first place. First place. Jesus only. Hear him. Hear him, his word, his voice becomes your main priority. Jesus only, Jesus becomes the most important relationship in your life. Personal revival happens when you love him and you love his word. And your highest priority is that you worship only Jesus. In verse 6, the Bible says, when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. They're falling on their faces. Well, what are they doing? That's the fear of the Lord. That's the fear of God is a clean fear. It's a reverence. It's adoration. Worshiping only him. Seeing only him. Hearing only him. 
That's why when you truly have a fresh encounter with the Lord, everything puts, gets placed in proper priority. Your family, your marriage, your business, your money, your, your, your hobbies, everything, it all gets placed in proper priority. All of a sudden, the Lord rises to the top. And if Jesus truly is first, it's amazing how everything just flows from that. Everything just flows from that. What happens when you see Jesus? Well, you not only are sanctifying him in your heart, putting him first, but you're also touched by the Lord. In verse 7, it says, but Jesus came and touched them. It says, arise, do not be afraid. He touched them. I, I love that. Arise. In other words, be strengthened. There's work to do. Don't be afraid. I'll tell you what, one thing about 2020, there's a lot of fear. And still there's a lot of fear. And we know that fear has torment. And uh, uh, Jesus, fear not. And the Bible says he touched them. He touched them. Oh, I love that. All to be touched of God. You know, I feel like when God begins to touch my life, it changes me. Because he is so powerful. There's a story in Matthew chapter 8 of a man with leprosy. The Bible says Jesus put out his hand and touched him. And he was cleansed. Now, this guy was unclean. It's a communicable disease. There was so much shame if you got that disease. But the Lord pushed past the fear, pushed past the shame, and he touched him, touched him. And there's, like I said, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of shaming going on as well. And, uh, you know, if you get it, and uh, well, shame on you. What are you doing? And, and there's a lot of fear. And I want you to know that the Lord is bigger than all that. He's bigger than all that, and he can come and he can touch you. And if he touches you, then he changes your life. I love Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Did you know in heaven the Lord's going to touch you as well? That, that's, that's being in heaven. He's wiping away. Well, if he's going to wipe away a tear, well, he's got to touch my face to wipe away that tear. And if he'll do that in heaven, he can wipe away your tears down here on this earth, right? He can spiritually touch you and take away your sadness and take away your shame and take away your hurt and heal you of your disease and, and forgive your iniquities. The Lord can touch you. Oh, we need to be touched of God. You know, the Bible says the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. It's renewed day by day. Did you know the ongoing renewing power of God's Holy Spirit is what we need. Otherwise, we tend to just fall away. We tend to fall away. Everything in this life degrades, winds down, breaks down. If you buy that new car in five years, is it winding down, breaking down, in need of repair? You have to constantly put your hands to it. It's that way in our spiritual life. God, by his spirit, constantly comes to us to stir us, to renew us, to revive us, to minister to us, to touch our lives. It says in Psalm 139, verse 5, you hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Oh, I love that. Oh, Lord, keep your hand upon me. Your hand upon me. But there's a touch there, 
a touch there. And Jesus came and touched them, commissioning them and setting them free from their, their fears. If you experience God, you're going to experience a fresh touch of the Lord. One final one. When you see Jesus in a fresh new way, you are empowered for valley ministry. Empowered for valley ministry. You know, mountains, depending on the context, mountains can represent high, victorious, wonderful experiences in God. Man, I'm on the mountaintop. This is awesome. I mean, I'm living in victory, and I'm, God is with me, and I'm in an elevated position. You know, so mountains can, in the scripture, speak of just wonderful experiences in God. But mountains also represent challenges and obstacles too great for us. You know, you'll speak to this mountain, be removed, and it'll be cast. You know, so, uh, but in this passage, in Matthew chapter 17, this mountain speaks of spiritual victory and, and wonderful encounter with Jesus. It's, it's a high place in God, a wonderful place. It's where you want to live. I want to live on the mountaintop, far above everything that's happening down there in the nitty-gritty and the dirty and dirty. I want to be up here, just me and Jesus. I'll build a tabernacle. This is awesome, Lord. You're glorified. You're speaking to me. You're touching me. I'll just build a tabernacle. Well, I'll just stay right here. Well, they didn't stay right there. If you look there in Matthew 17, verse 14, it talks about this. It says in verse 14, And one day had come to the multitude. A man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's epileptic. He suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and into the water. I brought him to your disciples. They could not cure him. And then Jesus began to rebuke the faithless generation. He rebuked the demon. He set that child free. He talks about the power of prayer and fasting for spiritual power and spiritual faith. But I want you to know, they left the mountain to come down into the valley. And why does God give you fresh encounters with him or mountaintop experiences? So that you might be equipped and empowered for what I call valley ministry. You're going to have to come down. The Lord is going to lead you down. He doesn't want you to stay. Listen, let's just build a tabernacle. It's just so great right here in church and worship in the Lord. And we're just encouraging one another. And the, the world's out there. And we, we're, we're believing the same thing and just encouraging our faith in the Lord. This is a great place to be. But we're not supposed to stay here. There are people out there that are lost under oppression, in need of salvation, in need of being set free, and Jesus is going to send us there, right? We need to be empowered for what I call valley ministry. Now, valleys are, are, are low places, dark places. The children of Israel, they fought the enemy in the valley, but I love the Bible when it says the Lord can take your valley of trouble and turn into a valley of blessing because the Lord is there. The disciples were filled with the Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus in the book of Acts. Jesus says, I'm sending you forth as lambs among wolves. 
Well, the only way you can be sent forth as lambs among wolves and survive is if you have a great shepherd, Jesus, that promises to help you and be with you. And he'll defend you. You are not saved to escape to a cave or to retreat to a mountain or to retire from a calling. God encounters you to invite you to join him in his work and to know him more deeply. In the New Testament, I know I've shared this many times, but it is so true. In the New Testament, the Lord was crucified and buried in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was, like the capital, a political hotspot and a place of religious opposition to true faith. It was teeming with people. It was not a quiet place. It's teeming with people. The Lord says, I want you to wait there until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus didn't tell his disciples after his resurrection. Now, I want you to go off into that high place where I was transfigured and build something there and stay safe. You just stay safe. There's people out there that are, they want to kill you. They want to oppose you. They're, They're after you. Well, you run and stay safe. And that's my will for your life. Stay safe. No, he says, you wait in Jerusalem, and there I'm going to do you with power from the high. God has called us to be in this world, not to run away and to stay safe, but to be empowered so that we might be light to this world. Am I right about that? I'm all about faith and precaution, and it's, it's crazy to see danger just run into it without really sensing that call to do so, and, and you're just, uh, uh, I can't think of the word I'm thinking for, where you just do it, and uh, you know, you just, God's going to be with you, but presumption, yes, I'm not talking about being presumptuous, you know, that, that's crazy, cast, throw yourself down off this mountain, and the angels will give you, will, will carry you and keep you safe, and uh, you know, you're just doing it on your own, expecting God. But listen, being led of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Lord, commissioned by the Lord, having direction from him, we're to move forward. It's not going to get easier. Am I right about that? The culture? I mean, I'm not thinking it's going to get easier. I think it's going to get more challenging and pressure is going to be put upon you, maybe even internal pressure, to withdraw and to stay safe. But Jesus didn't tell Peter, James, and John, what a wonderful experience. You guys just stay right here. I'll go down to the valley. No, I'm taking you down there with me. Oh, oh there's a demon? Okay, well, we'll deal with that. There's opposition, we'll deal with that. And on the day of Pentecost, when they were filled with the Spirit, Peter stood up and preached empowered by the Lord. God always wants us to arise, stand to your feet, right? There's a time to be on our face to worship the Lord, but we're never supposed to be curled up in a ball hiding in the corner because it's so dangerous out there. Arise, stand to your feet. I will strengthen you. I will be with you. I will uphold you. I am your strength and I am your power, says the Lord. Hallelujah. So, a fresh encounter with the Lord. It might be dramatic like this, or you might sense 
a fresh wind blowing, a new stirring, a deep longing, a desire growing. That's the beginnings. That's the beginnings. Bow your heads in the presence of the Lord. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, today is a great day to be saved. To be saved. Saved from your sins. To find Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What better day than today to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with the rest of my life. The Bible talks about he stands at the door and knocks. And if we would open, he'll come in. And maybe you've never opened up your heart to Jesus. The scripture says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Have you ever prayed a prayer when you say, Lord, be my savior? As many as received him to them, gave you power to become the sons of God. Receiving, that's what you need to do. It's just not believing but a sense of receiving i believe in jesus i receive him personally as my lord and savior if you want to receive christ as your lord and savior to call upon his name through prayer to save you to trust him with your life and you've never done this before but you want to do it today then i want to pray for you just let me know by raising your hand Raising your hand. Just lift up your hand if you want to receive Christ this morning. All right. Praise the Lord. Maintaining that posture of prayer. Do you need to put Jesus first in your heart? Do you need to recapture your first love? Do you need a fresh encounter with the Lord? A fresh touch from God? to see him in a more beautiful way seek him and you shall find him let me pray for you Holy Spirit just blow like the wind upon our hearts stir the waters of our soul May each person here this morning sense a fresh move of God in their heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for that fresh move. We get rid of the garbage in our life. We make you the highest priority. We need that personal revival that changes us and empowers us. We're tired of living in fear. We're tired of dealing with angry emotions. We're tired of looking at this culture and feeling hopeless with it or helpless or so discouraged with it all.
Lord, we look away from all these things and we look to Jesus. Jesus only this morning. Jesus only this morning. Jesus only this morning. Hear him. Hear him today. What's he saying to you? What's he speaking to you? Is he calling you deeper? Is he putting his finger on some sins? Is he giving you a sense of a new season in life? Hear him. Jesus only. Yes, Lord, I love you. How I love you, Lord. I worship you. I look to you. Come and save me. Heal me. Restore me. Revive me. Have your way in me.